Hello there and welcome to our podcast, Conversations in Noosa. My name is John Caruso. Millie Stovering grew up in Denmark with fond memories of camping adventures in the beautiful forests of neighbouring countries like Norway and Sweden and getaways with the family to the Greek islands. In 2010, she holidayed here in Australia and eight years later, Millie became an Australian citizen. Envious travellers might wonder why you would leave Denmark and your family behind to build a new life in Australia. And what exactly lured Millie to Noosa? As we like to say here at Conversations in Noosa, everyone has a story, and this one's Millie's. I was from a middle-class family. My mum and dad are still together, and I believe I probably had a, you know... A beautiful upbringing. Mom and dad gave us everything. They took us traveling around Europe, but not just, you know, um, what to you guys is overseas, but obviously Europe is not overseas, but, you know, long holidays away, um, southern Europe, but camping just around the corner at home, um, beautiful Sweden and always got gorgeous forests. And so sort of I was exposed to um, really broad and um, variety of, of cultural sort of inputs and and I think that's very much formed me and and gave me the urge to you know look out there and and be excited about what's you know beyond our little our little you know everyday comfort zone and that's very much informed me and, and created me. What would be some of your favourite childhood memories? The way my mum and dad brought us together, not just in the family, but their friends and their kids and whether it was in the country or at the house for what you guys refer to as barbecues, we have a slight different way of doing it. But those gatherings, you know, the commune, uh, sort of community gatherings. So family and friends were important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How many siblings? One sister. An older sister? Younger. Yeah. She's traveling as well. Tell me more about that lifestyle. You said um, uh, we call it barbecues. You guys do it a little bit differently with your words. In, in what way? I've got to be careful what I say because, you know, the, the more integrated I get here, the more of a different angle I probably have to it as well. But we have a different intimate way of getting together. Um, in Australia, you'll get together, put on a, a barbecue or maybe a meal or roast or whatever, and everyone will sort of be mingling around, out and about, you know, you're just chatting to that person here and then chatting to that one and moving around maybe. You're not so much seated necessarily. The Danes have this ability, um, I think it is, I think it's beautiful, um, a different way of connecting very closely and together seated um, dinners we grow up that way um, events are like that you would probably best way to explain it is weddings over here everyone's seated in one chair we still get around and we mingle but the way we have our dinners and that is you know you sit down you look each other in the eyes you communicate across the table diagonally across you know you still you know big laughs and yeah but it's more um Grounded in a yeah. way. And well, I guess the Italians have the, the same philosophy in terms be, of yeah. when they have get-togethers. It's, you know, the dinner table is, is quite important. Or the table as a whole is quite important. Did you travel to many other places around Europe when, yeah. when you were younger? Yeah, absolutely. Which I think is the, the, the benefit of, of, of growing up there and yeah. living in a place like that. Yeah, it's very easy. You know, the border, we've got the border to Germany. Um, parts of Germany were Danish once, so there's obviously a bit of a sort of zone there where... People were once Danes, now they're Germans, and that 
that's another you know um, shared culture as well it makes it really easy to travel back and forth my dad grew up half of half of his childhood he spent in Sweden so he's got this very love for and connection with the Swedish forests and lakes and canoeing on the rivers and so he used to take us there we used to go skiing once or twice a year winter holidays were dedicated to um you know the fields in Norway or Sweden as we got older we wanted a bit more of an altitude and and bigger slopes so we headed a bit <laughs> further south to Czech Republic or uh, France Italy um holidays in Greece some families went for last minute trips you know to yeah more of a sort of populated like popular areas um mom and dad took us to yeah, sort of the little tiny islands and the Greek islands and, yeah, all sorts of places. When you have a conversation with your, your friends now around a barbecue here in Australia and you talk to them about travelling so easily to all these places that you just mentioned, like the Greek islands, you know, here and Sweden and the forests. And, I mean, I, I, and I'm listening to you talk about your travels but with envy and going, wow, that, that's amazing. You know, it's such a long way geographically from here. It's a 20-hour flight. Do you miss that? Yeah, I do. And that's, a, you know, that's a massive subject itself, very emotionally as well, um, geographically, you know, the options and, and opportunities, but there's a lot involved in just that topic itself, you know, and that that's things I've got to deal with every day and learn how to tolerate and live with and accept and, and find a new, you know, uh, a way to deal with that, um, not just to traveling, but being away from everyone and that culture and um, being able to move just a couple hours and meet new cultures. Um, but on the other hand side, I've come over here and you know, now I'm suddenly exposed to some other incredible islands and countries, the Pacific Islands, yeah. the, um, you know, oceanic kind of um, world that I would have maybe never really sort of <laughs> touched base with, you know, gotten involved with. What did your dad do for a living? My dad's a uh, carpenter. He's always worked for himself, very particular, just hands-on, just handyman all around. Yeah. And your mum, was she working? Or? She's a teacher. Great. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So they've always had solid jobs and been busy have they come out to australia yep a couple times right. three times and they love it what made you considering you had you know i'm reluctant to use the, the phrase the world at your feet absolutely but i you know i, I again i said that i i listened to your story uh, with envy about being able to travel to all those amazing countries uh we're on the other side of the world here in australia what made you choose australia as a place to come and live well obviously I had this urge and probably always have and my parents blame themselves a little bit for, you know, probably encouraging us. Um, we had some relatives, which is not really why I came and I don't know them that well, but we had some relatives that came from Australia and I do remember how they spoke about it when I was quite young and I'm not sure if that influenced me, but the way they spoke of Australia and it wasn't a specific choice. I just had this idea that Australia was going to provide me on my this travel I wanted to do after finishing um, school was going to tick that box off of like some sort of complete package. It was going to give me the desert. It was going to have the ocean, the marine life, the Great Barrier Reef, the kangaroos, like all these sort of foreign things to me. And I thought, if I go to Australia, I can get all that in one. In one place. And that was the only thing. I hadn't <laughs> planned on seeing or experiencing anything in particular. And all the things I probably ended up doing and seeing it wasn't even on my itinerary. It was just this sort of idea of, of the complete package that brought me to Australia. And how long ago was that? That was 2010. First, I went to Ghana 
to check out the people down there, Africa, see I had some connections and um, stayed with locals and stuff and it was a very unique experience to spend a couple of weeks there and then to Australia. Where'd you land? I landed in Melbourne. Great place. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. It's actually a funny story because I had a boyfriend back then, an absolutely beautiful guy and we were great friends today and this was all my idea that we were going to go traveling. He was just a boy back then. I think he was just like, you know, like a little poppy, just going, yeah, yeah, whatever you say, it sounds great, you know, and he wanted to come. He wanted to come? Great. He wanted to come. (laughs) And then when I started talking about all these things you could do and it appeared to me that he was maybe not ready to let go the way that I was, maybe I was set up differently than he was. I had maybe more courage to just go and do it and open my arms and spread my wings, which I had the need for so we figured that it was probably best we separated. But we didn't make that call till we ended up in Melbourne. Oh, you and, dragged um, him all the way over here. I dragged him to Melbourne because <laughs> I thought it was better for him to recover <laughs> in, in Australia than back home in right. cold climate. You mentioned earlier you said you, your parents might blame themselves for instilling this or, or the travel bug in you. Travel is a, an amazing educator. So and they support me very yeah, well, much. That's, that, it, that's great. It's really just a joke. You know, they <laughs> look inwards and they go, geez, what did we do? You know, yeah. you landed in Melbourne in 2010. Uh-huh. Your first impression of Australia? Yeah. You wouldn't have seen yeah, many kangaroos down Collins Street or, no, or no. in Carlton or Burke Street? No. We no. had a 48-degree <laughs> summer. I think 2010 was one of those heavy ones that sort of almost made history, kind of flies all over, extremely hot, yeah. like very hot. It does swing like that in Melbourne. You have 40-plus yeah. degree days in summer and then, uh, you know, bitterly, well, not bitterly cold compared to some places, but yeah, no. very cold in, yeah. in, in winter. Did you endeavour to work, hospitality? Did you? No, I just um, – I actually did a little bit opposite of what I – maybe back then and today would have expected of me like um I went a little bit with the current I went with the whole way of backpacking in Australia it was easy to just in a way get carried away and just let you know all these hostels one hostel to another parties um you know fun activities entertainment just take me away and if I was to describe myself back then and also today I would have probably said I'd be the type of person to break out of that sort of you know stream that everyone was sticking to and and go explore the outskirts of Australia but I didn't then and maybe because I just needed to just be and not be so structured which I am a bit Mm. and so that did give me you know a few months of just allowing myself just to be and relax and have fun and I very much needed that back then. Did you feel safe backpacking? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And imagine you made uh, a lot of friends that Yeah, so many friends and um but it can get to a point where you sort of it depends, you know, if your mindset is is that you want to meet new people, that you're happy with the whole, you know, go from place to place, you know, you say hi to someone one morning, they might be gone that night, they might have moved on. If you're okay with that sort of speedy existence, then it's perfect. If you start to settle a bit too much, which happened later on, then that gets hard because you're in... You're, it's sort of contradicting, you know, you can't be in two places at the same time. But your, Engl- your English is very good. Did you learn uh, to speak English in Denmark, at school yep. in Denmark? Yeah, so we're taught re- very well. And obviously the kids today will be uh, 10 times better than I was back then. But we're exposed to, you know, American um, English media, etc., computers, whatever. Um, 
more so today, yeah, obviously, than we were. But we were informed and taught, you know, all the grammar and stuff. We just didn't get to speak it unless we went on holidays. I mean, I can't even detect. I mean, there's a very there's a little a bit, slight yeah. accent. But uh, for somebody that only landed in Australia eight years ago, the, 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 your English is almost perfect. It's... I worked in coffee clubs and uh, coffee cafes <laughs> for <laughs> and, uh, seven years. And what are you saying? How did that help fine-tune? Did well, you, were you picking up on all the, you know, the, 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 the idiosyncrasies of the, the Aussie yeah. slang and things like that? Yeah, I think my English was probably good enough to just, you know, dive straight into it, take it head on, you know, just polish it up. And um, maybe my age as well, mate, that um, I was able to just pick up the accent quickly. And um, yeah, I didn't try too hard. I must have just been exposed to sort of yeah. that influence. Was there any part of the Aussie slang that confused you? Oh, absolutely. I remember sort of down in Melbourne walking past people and first thing that you, you notice when you're a foreigner is how um, outgoing the Australians are up front, like on the street, which we're probably more so, a bit more close and protective yeah. at home, not when you get to know us, but on the street, you know, g'day mate, how are you going, this and that. That doesn't mean people want to know your life story and you figure that out quite quickly. <laughs> like people sort of, you know, they time you, they're like, yeah, I just asked you how you're going, you know, and um, on the streets. And Tell me about your journey then from Melbourne. So you landed in Melbourne in 2010. How did you offload the the boyfriend? What happened there? Oh, just we had a good chat, and we he <laughs> he down the track realized that you know I I had a good point at the time. He wasn't too happy, but he ended up having a you know an incredible experience himself. And did he stay? No, yeah, yeah. He well, not till today. No, He's no, back in Denmark, he, he but he had a take off straight away. Yeah, no, he traveled <laughs> like everyone heart. else, and with a with a slightly broken heart. But <laughs> like I said, we're on terms, and I think he knows that I did him a favor as well, and and he yeah. sees that you know I ended up where I was maybe destined or whatever it is to be. Um, so yeah, I think we support each other in that decision. How did you end up in Noosa or Southeast Queensland? Well, after all that traveling, I came across some surfers down at some surf camps who were talking about this surf festival that would have been in March 2010. Does it stop you there? What drew you to surfing, though? Was surfing big in Denmark? That was just one of the things. No, not at all. Well, it is a little bit now. Windsurfing, kite surfing, all that is huge. We've got plenty of wind, lots of islands. Um, Too much wind, it destroys the um, not not enough big swell coming through. But um, it was one of those things that whoever it was, a family member said to you many, many years ago that was selling you on the idea of Australia. No. Was the surfer? No, it wasn't the really. Surfing and, culture. And that's what I mean with Australia. <laughs> I don't actually really know why. It's the only reason I have this whole, I, I had a slight idea of things, but I, I remember exactly why I went to Ghana. I remember exactly why I went to Philippines, you know, these other places. But Australia was kind of just like... How far away can I get and how extreme can the <laughs> surroundings be, you know, so I get it all in once. And surfing was probably just one of those things. And the backpacker places, you know, they advertise it everywhere. So, of sure. course, I had to try it out. Where did you go, Byron? Uh, no, that was down in um, that was down in Lennox Head. So, they were all talking about this incredible longboard surf festival. They had to go up to... Are you talking about the Festival of Surfing? Yeah, they were. Yeah, yeah, Festival of Surfing 2010. Had no idea what it was. It just sounded super cool. If that was going to draw people up from Sydney, surely that was something I had to check out and see what this thing was about. And um, there was not one night that I had planned out ever like a lot of these backpackers they have all these schemes planned out they know exactly when they got to jump in a bus when they got to jump off where they got to check in everyone they've had agents plan everything out for them i didn't travel like that i just 
went when I wanted to and that was why I got rid of the boyfriend too you know I wanted to go left when I wanted to go left and right without asking permission (laughs) so you travel up in 2010 you hear about the Noosa Festival of Surfing I land on a super super rainfall night it was pouring down like proper Queensland downpour on a Sunday night um, prior to the um, the night when the the festival started and I thought I was just going to go into a backpack place you know like I'd done into a hostel and get a bed for the night and then check out the place Except everything was booked out. It was that big, the festival. Um, and I ended up finally sleeping on a couch somewhere in a little kitchen in a hostel out in Sunshine Beach and with people walking in and out all night. And after two days, got a decent bed somewhere and um, walked down to National Park. The festival was on, the speakers were pumping, you know, the swell was pumping that year too. And all these kids were hanging around with surfboards, you know, what do you call it? Like hitchhiking or, you know, yeah. trying to jump on trays, ute trays or whatever, yeah. because the surf was amazing, you know. Um, went for a long walk and sort of came back from that walk to A-Bay. And my first walk in the National Park, it was a pristine day, picture perfect. And it just sold me. I was like, yep, this is where i got to use my working holiday visa. I'll, I'll find a job here and check it out. <laughs> this is the place. This is cool. So what did you do? Yeah, so I just stayed at the Backpacker Hostel, lived that kind of life for another week or two and um, applied for a job down at Hastings Street, got it instantly because I had a lot of hospitality experience by then, so it was easy. And my English was good enough just yeah. to get thrown straight in. And um, and then I lived this double life, cleaning beds in the morning at the hostel, living for, you know, for free accommodation, did the few tasks that were required of me then. And yeah. I'd knock off there quickly, you know, I'd invested in a Minimal, um, had enough experience from the, well, no experience, but enough You tools. learned to surf here, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I bought a Minimal, 200 bucks. That was a lot of money for me then. Great investment. Threw myself out of teacher every day after doing the hostel work and, and just on and off the board, constantly falling off, but eventually sort of just grew on it and yeah. uh, with a bit of local <laughs> advice of where the rocks were and what, what to look after and the rules in the water and yeah. the traffic. And eventually my the balance of this life was was no longer even. I, I grew out of the whole backpacker scene. I started getting annoying with the, with the lack of, again, that sort of intimacy, like, you know, connection with people. Um, Did it was, you feel like you wanted to put roots down in Noosa? Is yeah, maybe saying? I had already and it was just hard to sort of, it felt it felt fake, this world of the whole backpacker. So I used a few contacts. Well, temporary, and, I, I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you like I say, you got to be in it. you got to be invested in it to understand, like it is with anything really. You can't be in a place that you don't you're not connected with. Listening back to what how you described your childhood and the easy access to all those amazing locations and countries and the Greek islands, and now you're living this lifestyle, um, you're working hard, but you've learned how to surf. Absolutely. What's the, what's the anchor or the point that's holding you here now instead of going, yeah, but you know what, if I go back to Denmark, not only do I have my family there, but I'm I'm on the doorstep of all these other great adventures. What was it about this part of the world that is all thanks to my partner Shane Tua, um, that I met. Australian, sh- yeah, yeah. Shortly after I made that call of quitting the backpacker life and moving into a house in Sunrise Beach, house sitting, and and um, I got a little bit lost. Mum told me to come home, and and I thought, yeah, but I'm having a good time here. I really like it here. There's you something special. And then I happened to run in, run into this amazing guy that um we've been together for eight years and we have a wonderful time together and he has 
he has shown me this other part of the world. So he's pretty much given me what I'm missing out on at home. I miss Europe. I would love to go back and explore more. And I miss my family. But he's given me a beautiful family over here. Not our own, but his family um, at this stage. And um, he has this insane, like most surfers in town. He is... Um, he is um, bound by the sea and, and the love for travels. And so in that manner, we very much connect and we fit together and we have that same need and urge for looking further. Um, we're content and we're happy and we make sure that what we've got here is working and is solid and that we're happy with what we've got. And our everyday life is is full of you know the th little things in life that that completes sort of our existence in a way but there's always more there's new places to check out and he's he's worse than i am he he can't get enough of it in terms that he wants to travel absolutely oh that's yeah. great been back to denmark to meet the family yeah yeah he has yeah. they love him i think he's adorable and um He's come to like it, but doesn't like the degrees. He would rather sit in Fiji and... <laughs> too cold? Yeah, too cold. So no compromise? Um, no, no. Maybe he's, down the track? Yeah, maybe. I think if you asked him, he would probably say, oh, but I'll happy to sponsor you. You can go as many times as you like. I'll make sure you get home and yeah. see your family. But it's a different culture that I've, you know, obviously had time to learn how to accept down the track, but try to understand. And, you know, it takes two to tango we both make compromises and um we've had you know a lot um difficulties too in in learning what how kind to of difficulties two people learning how to live together everyone knows that everyone can relate no, to that difficult sometimes. yeah yeah it can. <laughs> but but yeah we've got um similar similar goals in life and stuff so it's the cultural thing that although denmark is a western cult you know culture it's it's not like i'm from you know africa or islamic kind of you know heritage or whatever it's not that different but the ways we do things and so we've had we've been on a big journey trying to figure out you know how how do we make this work me living over here away from everybody being very much attached to home it's not like i've run away from home mm. um i but becoming an australian citizen uh, though sounds like another step yeah, to kind absolutely. of really firming up your place and your position here yeah. in Australia. And, and thanks for having me. <laughs> what, the, what, what was that your decision to become an, an Aussie citizen? Yeah, it's all it's all a little bit of a sort of snowball rolling scenario, all this stuff, you know, fall in love, you figure out what, what do we got to do to be together? Like, are we willing to make those sacrifices? Some people go, meh, you know, maybe it's not that great what we've got. We went, yeah, of course it is, you know, we need to do this and whatever it takes yeah. and we've had a smooth ride and at the end of, of, of that um, is the citizenship, which is just a, it's sort of a, a sum up of, of everything else we work for really wasn't that hard, but, you know, I've been through various visas. Yeah. and. So do you have dual citizenship? Yep. Right. Yeah, so Denmark still allows that. Oh, yeah. right. Do you make plans? A little bit, but we do like that spon spontaneous sort of way of living as well. We like to keep options open and, you know, things took a different turn. And and we both like that. We like to keep a little bit of mystery sort of ahead, not have everything locked in. And we have desires and we have, 
ideas and goals and plans, but we like to keep things a little bit sort of, um, what do you call it? Well, what you said before, spontaneous, Sub- spontaneous yeah. in terms of plan some things and but, yeah, but leave the rest to fate. Subject to change if needed. Yeah. Mm. So you're, you're quite agile in that area. Do You um, you mentioned earlier that, that, that you're studying. Yeah, to hopefully um, educational, so primary teaching, I think. Saying that, I think, because, again, I like to keep doors open, just what I, you know. Well, your mum was a teacher. Yeah, my mum's a yeah. teacher. A lot of my family are teachers, either handyman or teachers. So um, I've sort of seen the trade. I love kids. I yeah. think it's great to be able to help further educate and influence. And I've seen the backbone of teaching and it's a really, really tough gig, but probably not getting any easier for them either. Um, there's a lot of pressure on them. The trade is changing from what it maybe should be about to bureaucracy, uh, what do you call it? bureaucracy and and stuff when you're here in noosa is there one thing that you miss about home you know i lived in melbourne for a while and then i came here and they're two very different places Uh and i miss the uh i guess the vibrancy and the energy of a place like melbourne but when i'm sitting on the beach at little cove Uh i see then nothing kind of matches i'm not comparing apples with apples but i'm kind of going this is what i love about here and this is what i love about this place do you have a similar kind of trade-off when you think about home in denmark or maybe when you're out on your surfboard at tea tree what 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 is it for you yeah that one right there the warmth this whole time I've been trying to convince myself that I have not climatized. I can easily handle the cold at home and, and the winters. And then I I go home. I went home this winter, which is your summer. I went home for Christmas. And um, it takes me about a week just like jet lag to climatize again or get, you know, sort of for my body to physically accept. Yeah, I'm still cold when I've got three layers on and, and it never used to bother me. And I don't think it bothers me still, but I can definitely appreciate this very much outdoor lifestyle I live here. When I do go home, I do get reminded how it's more of an effort doing stuff, not all year round, but you've got to make an effort and you've got to be stubborn about what you want to do during your day off you got to make it happen. Like, um, you got to put on your clothes. You got to go outside. You got to, you got to ignore that it's raining or that it's snowing or that there's slush all over the streets. You you, you still grab your push bike. There's a bit more of a sort of you got to have more tolerance there to make things work, and yeah. then you can have an amazing lifestyle. And I still could. I could easily move back. Do you have a heavy snowfall? Uh, yeah, we do, but not as much as um, Norway, Sweden. Yeah. Mid-South Germany does. We're a bit more of a sort of safe zone right yeah. in the centre. And so is it being out on your board at Tea Tree? Is that what you... Yeah, that When you're out be. there, you think there's nothing compares to this? I have a border collie and we live right by the beach and we're lucky to rent the beautiful beach shack and taken her for a walk, whether before work, after work. That quite often makes me reflect on the walks I do or did with my dog back in Denmark. You know, it's um, it's very easy. And it's very beautiful. And Life is easier. Here. Yeah, it really resonates with me and I love it. It's easy, I think. Yeah. Do you see yourself leaving Noosa? No, this is this has become home. I'm always going to be in not two minds about it, but I'm, I'm very much drawn to Denmark. Denmark is, I shouldn't say because I'm now officially Australian, but... <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't one of the questions on the... Yeah, what? I'll forever be Danish of heart, I think, and... <laughs> I'll fit in with the Australian ways and I very much work towards that and I try to be a part of what's over here and be Australian when I'm here. All right. Really appreciate your time. Thanks, Millie. Thanks so much. 
Millie Stovering there on Conversations in Noosa. And if you enjoyed that podcast, please uh, rate, review and share on social media. Remember, there are two fresh podcasts available each week, every Monday and Thursday on our website, www.innoosamagazine forward slash conversations. Until next time, take care.